Aló, aló a todo el mundo, bienvenidos a este episodio de The Deep Lifestyle Podcast. Today's episode is going to be in English because I have the honor to be with Christine Gutierrez. Christine, how are you today? I am so grateful. I'm so blessed and I feel so proud of myself and and of our community for, for pulling together and being able to create this movement online and I shared my book uh, just yesterday to the world for the first time. So Amazing. I'm like in utter just amazement and so humbled by the response. Yes. Really humbled. Yes, I'm so I'm so humbled and honored to have you today in our podcast, especially since yesterday you just came out with your book. So this is what we're going to be talking about today, mi gente. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Her book is called I Am Diosa. Okay, for me... This is such a powerful statement, you know, Diosa. Um, la, la palabra misma, you know, it says so much. And this book is just that. It's an awakening for your soul. It's a coming back of the soul. It's about the journey. Christine talks a lot about her journey, her clients' journeys. You know, no names, but um, she just talks about this coming back, this recognizing of who we are. So, Christine, it's not your first time on the podcast, right? We talked about Sober Curious in the past and a bit about your love addiction journey. And we can consider this as your specialty, right, within um, therapy. So if you guys want to learn more about Christine, you know, like the basics of her work, you guys can go back in my podcast because I really, really want to focus on this book. And I have a bunch of questions, so I really hope we can do this in less than an hour. <laughs> so, Christine... I want to start off before I go deep into the quotes that I loved about this book or anything. I want to know when did you decide that you were going to be an author? When did you decide that you were going to write this book? I don't know if it's that I decided it or my soul decided it and I listened. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it that way better that There are so many pieces of um, what I do today that I found early in my childhood. So from as early as I could remember as being a little kid, eight years old, um, I always had a deep affinity towards spirituality. I had like my own pretend uh, altar in my room where I would make my grandmother go to the 99 cent store in Brooklyn and get little angels and I would use my confirmation book because I was raised Catholic even though I wasn't really religious I was more spiritual even from a young age um and I would open it up like a like an oracle card deck and I would ask it questions and and I was very particular like in the bible I would open it up and I would be obsessed with psalms that because it was more poetic mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I remember being really drawn to psalms in the in the in the bible and so this kind of uh, part of me of wanting to know more about the world, about wanting to connect deeper to my soul, about wanting to explore the things that were not seen with the physical eye, but more felt with the spiritual kind of sense. And from that age on, I kept on listening to that inner voice that was, you know, explore that world. And then that translated into, you know, help the world be better. And, um, you know, seeing human suffering in the world, I was always very sensitive and I wanted to be part of a change. And so uh, I would, you know, make my mom stop so that I could talk to, to homeless people. 
I would, you know, yell at someone, literally a kid, I would yell at people if I saw them being mean to their kids. I would be like, you're not supposed to talk to your, like, literally like a little tiny activist. Wow. Um, In school, I was very, uh, you know, I was really good, I guess, at at school academically, I I thrived. Um, It was something that came effortless to me, but I was always very chatty, so I would get in trouble in school because I was very talkative. Um, and I would stand up to my teachers about like religion and stuff. And I would say, Hey, this doesn't make sense to me. Like if a kid is born in Africa and he has a different religion, but he has a good, uh, a good heart. How can you say that they're not going to be loved and accepted? That's not the God I believe in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I had very, uh, specific kind of framework that I believe informed me to, or that guided me to be, you know, this healer in the world, to show up in the world and to, to be a voice for injustice, to be a a voice for healing, to be a voice for, you know, looking at our wounds and being able to empower ourselves to heal them um, because it was always in me. And so for me, this work is a calling. And, uh, you know, long story short, being guided to write was one of the ways I always expressed myself. Again, going back to when I was a kid, I always wrote poetry. I would write um, to express myself. Um, I had a very deep spirit and I had a lot of pain in my heart. I, I felt everything. I felt sad for the children that were in different countries that didn't have money. And I, these were things that I thought about often uh-huh. as a child. Mm-hmm. I, um, I wondered about why things were the way they were a lot. <laughs> and, and writing was one way for me to help release the pain in my heart and to express myself and and it was a form of communing with my spirit poetry was a way for me to commune with my spirit commune with the higher realms and so that writing continued to flow through me um the the journey to you know being a helper being a therapist uh being a spiritual guide combined with my writing kind of all these pieces started to flow together and it wasn't necessarily that i was like okay i'm gonna write a book um or like these are my specific goals it was just effortlessly the things that came natural for me that I love to do that help heal my heart and that I prayed would help other people too that inevitably became part of what is now my you know my soul business my dharma in the world I think that's so beautiful the fact that it it was just for you the next right step you've been doing it your whole life I really love when you spoke about the psalms that they're so poetic because you can see that in the book. It's so beautiful how you write. It's almost, I was visualizing as I read the beginning of the book, eh, I could see the scene in my mind. I can visualize you like dressed in white. I don't know why in white, perhaps because when I met you, you had white on. So I always associate you with white. And your wedding pictures are so beautiful. Lisa, sales toda bella, blanca. I could just see you so powerful with this um prose this verse that i think um resonates throughout the whole book and i think it's what makes it different you know from other spiritual books because everyone has their own way of connecting to the divine some people do it via science and they really like that part of it you know joe dispensa um some people really like to visualize gabrielle bernstein you know but for you it's like more poetic and i love that about you and about the book And it makes it very powerful and almost um, movie-esque, like film-esque, you know? And I love that reading a book that brings me back these memories. So thank you, Christine, for explaining us, you know, that this is just, this comes natural to you and you've been doing this. So it's very reassuring that we're talking to someone who's 
authentic, who's not writing a book just to write it. You know, I think. Oh, I just want to say something yeah. um, really quickly to what you said about, you know, I, I, where I said it was so funny that you say that because just yesterday, one of my, my dear friends, Linda Luz, who also has a podcast, another amazing Latina that everyone has to know. <laughs> and um, she, she told me, you know, um, there's something about this book, there's something about you that I, I can see being in a show. So it's interesting that just today is like the second kind of little download that, you know, maybe this will be on Netflix or a show at some point. Um, but yeah, so thank you for, for mirroring that back to me. But yeah. for sure, um, I love what you said about it was an effortless flow of a next right action step. This is one area in my life where it was effortless. Yeah. As you know, you will see in the book and as you know of me personally and in the work that I do, my love addiction, my relationships, that has always been and still is the most challenging part of my life. You know, it, the things that come easily for me have always been my career and not only my career, my dharma, my purpose in mm -hmm. the world. So, mm -hmm. so yes, it, it, it kind of was like this effortless, ever flowing river of like, okay, this is the flow that comes next. And it doesn't mean that there weren't times where I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? How am I going to get the money to do this? You know, because in business, there are the very realistic parts of being an entrepreneur and yeah. having to learn and hire people and grow. But overall, it really was that way. And so, you know, after 10 uh, plus years, I think it's like the 12th year that I've been in this work in some sort of professional capacity was when this book came came to be, Beautiful. right? So it wasn't like an overnight thing. Of course. A lot of times people don't see, right? All the hard work that someone puts in. Um, one of my dear friends, Rick Steele, an amazing uh, music producer, uh, top music producer uh, has always says it takes about 10 years for overnight success, right? Uh. And when people see, you know, <laughs> this overnight success, it takes about 10 years of work mm -hmm, that you mm -hmm. didn't see. And I'm proud, I'm proud that I put in 10 plus years before wow. this happened because it feels like it came from a really grounded uh, place within me. And who knows what else can come after 10 more years. So I'm excited to see what else comes of your journey, Christine. So I want to go to the beginning of the book, literally the first sentence, which is the dedication, right? Sometimes I sometimes skim through these parts, but I was like, if this is Christine's book, like this has to have some really deep dedication. And I wasn't wrong. I'm going to quote you, Christine. You say, I dedicate this book to the little Christine. You did it. You were always worthy. Just take a moment for that to sink in for those of you that are listening to this. How powerful, not only the fact that you dedicate this book to yourself, which is, I think, the deepest connection you will ever have with another human being, you know, with a soul, but also that you've managed to have this relationship with your inner child where you can do the things you do now in honor of her, honoring her, you know, her struggles, her um, path, her sufferings. And we're going to talk a bit more. I, I have... reading that me made me, like, <laughs> you reading that me made me emotional because <laughs> hearing it, like, it is, right? Like, it's like, there's this, um, you know, part of us that exists, that inner child, and, um, and it is for her, right? It's for little Christina. And I have so many of my friends, my homegirls, that told me recently, like, I just keep seeing it. It makes me want to cry. Like, I just keep seeing little Christine. I wore really big glasses. They were kind of like these little, like, bifocals. Um, and uh, they were like, I just see little Christine with her little Mickey Mouse thick 
Lisa <laughs> glasses on. Um, and I just keep being so proud of her. And it's interesting because, because you know, everybody got like, you know, the advanced copy like you did. So they didn't even know I dedicated the first line to little me, but in them knowing me, right? And loving me saying, I'm so happy for little Christine that this is what we got to do for her. Uh-huh. And so for all of us to be able to like start to realize the power of that. So thank you for, for noticing just this very simple, but powerful part of the book for me it's not though i don't think anything of this book is simple christine it's very deep work (laughs) that you're doing here so i invite everyone to read the lines like two or three times you know again until you really understand it and if you don't like put the book aside think about it meditate on it and then come back because this book has so many lessons christine i want to ask you based on this quote that i i just read when did you begin to heal your inner child and when did you realize or how did you realize that you had to was it because of your studies was it because of your intuition yeah i i knew you're saying for me personally when i knew i i had to heal yeah or when i had to when you realized yourself that you had to heal your inner child that you know when in the process of awakening that we're going to talk about a bit more but perhaps just to give a bit of context to people you know you realize you have a problem you keep on going deeper in the problem until you can't go deeper anymore then you're like shit i'm really in this shithole and then you're like okay i gotta start healing so you start healing the now but there comes a point where you start realizing that "Uh, this didn't start right now right here this started a long time ago you know, when was that point that you realized that it really comes from the little Christine and not the shitty relationship you just had? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I think I realized that um, pretty early on in the first real relationship I had. And, and even going back to like the first real relationship, even the first like mini child relationship I had where I was like a little kid and like my first boyfriend and all this stuff, the person that I would eventually lose my virginity to, that that little me already had been formed, right? So like I was a teenager, but I I had a whole life before that. And so much of our life, sometimes, you know, we're not even taught to look at what happened growing up. You know, what were the downloaded patterns that we saw in our home with our family or the people that raised us? And what were the messages that were either obvious, whether it was, you know, in my case, there was a lot of verbal abuse, there was a lot of love, and there was also verbal abuse. So those are very, you know, mixed messaging in in a house, right? Um, In addition to that, I I then, you know, looking forward, it was like this relationship, the first relationship at first, it was like this push and pull of energy, you know, and I remember thinking, you know, nothing was wrong. I didn't think that it had to do with my past. I was just a, a kid. So I was just thinking about the moment. Oh, I'm just pushing him away because, you know, I don't like him. But the reality was I was pushing away someone nice. And I remember um, that, you know, this is something that I don't talk about as often, but it, it just reminded me of now was the very first moment that I had kind of interaction with the opposite sex um, that was my, you know, predominant sexual preference was, you know, heterosexual at, at that time, right? I later whole another podcast for that, but <laughs> <laughs> but in this situation, um, was this boy and I he was so nice to me and I remember thinking he's too nice, you know, he's too nice. 
And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was growing up in a house that wasn't all the time nice. And mm-hmm. so I wanted someone that was meaner. And so I created patterns to push them away to then reject me. So then I would validate that belief that I'm unworthy and that there's chaos and then it's good and then I'm attracted. Mm -hmm. And so even dating back to that moment, I can remember that being a little dysfunctional, right? And then in a more serious way, that then evolved into more, you know, dangerous, emotionally dangerous situations where I replicated the pattern of my childhood abuse and I was with, you know, an active addict, an active drug dealer, an active, you know, abuser who was the cheater, a liar, uh, everything, anything bad that you could put, mm-hmm. you know, of like what you don't want in someone. I was like, hey, boo, what's up? Mm-hmm. You know, because my internal world was so much in pain yeah. and, and I hadn't dealt with little Christine. I hadn't dealt with all the names that she was called, right? I hadn't dealt with, you know, the food being shoved in her face. Like I, you know, I just so many awful things that you couldn't, I could never, right, imagine doing to a child, but someone that's wounded, that doesn't know how to parent, that's just not capable, does, right? And it was an unjust thing that happened to me. And finally, when I was in college, I would say, was the first time that I made the click that something was wrong. You know, that like, this doesn't feel right. Um, I, you know, stood up to my father, you know, I was like, listen, I know you love me. I know you're there for me, but the way you speak to me, I will not speak to you ever again in my life. And I stepped down this boundary Mm -hmm. and I meant it. I was like on some Kali, for those of you who don't know, Kali, the goddess of death and re, you know, and and life, Mm -hmm. but very strict, right, boundaries. and. That was the first time I was going into college and I was just, you know, my, my first year. And I was like, no, this stops here. And I was fully prepared to deal with the consequences of what that looked like uh-huh. to not have financial help, to not have the love because my father was also loving, mm-hmm. but that I wasn't willing to compromise my self-esteem anymore. I had enough voice and enough age and enough distance because I was going to be dorming mm-hmm. to be able to say, hey, no, this stops here. And that was because of that pattern that I started to notice was my attraction to these really bad boys and um, just really toxic. And so I started to heal my relationship with my inner child with that awareness first, but it wasn't like all of a sudden I made this click and then I made all the changes. It would be years, right? So anyone that's, you know, in this journey or they're struggling right now, you know, have faith and know that you're not alone and know that, you know, healing is often much more complex and messy than you can possibly capture, you know, especially now with social media. When I grew up, it wasn't as heavy in social media. Yeah. Um, and so now you're getting a very distorted version of reality. And it's not something that any of us can do on purpose, but just trust and know that, Healing takes time. Yeah. And so for me, that journey with my inner child began there, but it would be years until I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the, the last year of my, the third year of my college was when I got into therapy and I, that was because I couldn't take it anymore. And I mm-hmm. saw that the patterns were so similar to my, my childhood yeah. that I was like, okay, there's a click here. Yeah, yeah. And therapy really allowed me the first pieces of creating that bridge to see how the past affects the present mm-hmm. and your relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of similarities between uh, your story slash your life and mine because I can I can completely resonate with this. So it's very interesting to see yourself reflected in someone else, but at the same time see someone at um 
quote unquote, like get over it and see you so happy and fulfilled in your marriage, you know, it comes to show that there is hope for anyone who is in a toxic relationship right now. Um, and if you don't know how to get out of it, please visit Christine's website because I know you have a lot of resources and courses, mm -hmm. etc. So take her as an example and myself as well um, that you can get out of this. And if you need help, the help is here. Okay, Christine, this is a lot that you just said. And I think it's great because it's it goes right into my next question. So Rachel Brayden in the foreword she gives you, She says, we all have something to heal, right? So it's very important to note that, okay, this is Christine's um, shadow. And that's how she dealt with it. But we all have our different shadows. However, we can all go through the, what I like to call like the awakening cycle. Perhaps you call it the coming back cycle or whatever the name is. Um, so... In your invocation, I'm going to talk more about the cycle just in a minute, but in your invocation, you say, give me your demons, give me your wounds. I open my arms wide, embracing all of you. I will hold you until you heal and become whole. That again, this is so fucking powerful. I visualize Christine just like with these huge arms embracing all her diosas that have come to her like literally like because they have nowhere else to go you know they don't know what else to do with their lives they're on the board of of going crazy or losing their shit and you come and you literally you you guide them you help them you awaken them to their true power so you go through all these um toxic relationships right this love addiction and then you decide to dedicate your life to help women go through yeah. this i want to know And I know I'm asking you a lot, like, where did this start? Where did that start? Because I think it's so important when someone writes a book, you know, it's such an accomplishment, but it's so important for people to know the steps it took you to get there so they can see yeah. that it's doable and it and that you're a real person and that it's something um, that if you feel the call, you should do. It's not impossible work, although it is a lot of work. <laughs> okay, so I want to know, when did this call to to take women in your arms to guide them. When did this call originate? This deep soul calling, dealing with other people's wounds. When did this yeah. start? So again, I, I will say that um, I believe that if you are meant to do something, it's probably a seed that was planted before you were even born, right? And I do believe that's the case with this particular calling for me. But then on a practical note, right? Um, like how did that begin to evolve Like I had this seed planted in, let's say from the divine, but how did that look in my real life, right? Like everyday life, how did I know? Um, you know, I started studying in school. I knew, okay, I'm going to study psychology, my undergrad. Um, and I studied uh, human behavior and development and a minor in philosophy. And I got my bachelor's, right? So during that time, I was taking the steps to, to tutor, to mentor. So I always had this kind of spirit of wanting to guide people and help them. And I, and I had the unique ability to be able to do that, inspire and inspire people, right? To do what they needed to do, what they had in their hearts. Not what I wanted for them, but what their soul wanted for them. And so I realized, well, this is really fun. It's really natural for me. I really enjoy this. This is, wow, this is effortless. And that proceeded into, you know, getting my master's in mental health counseling, becoming a licensed therapist, and then combining kind of the East, you know, the Eastern kind of philosophies, but also 
you know, very indigenous to our own roots here in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. of, you know, ritual and ceremony and um, being healers, curanderos, and really combining and merging ancient wisdom with modern therapy. And so uh, that began to form into my own healing and also my own kind of process of how I learned to heal myself, but simultaneously giving back and being in community because part of my healing was helping. Part of my own um, journey was that as I showed up for others, I was helping myself. And this is something that um, I think a lot of people need to know is that you don't need to be perfect to be helping and holding space for people. You need to be committed and uh, uh, dedicated, right, to your healing. Doesn't mean you need to be perfect. There were many times where I was, you know, not like still acting out, drinking, being crazy, but I was still healing and I was still doing my thing because I had the ability to do both. And it's a lot of things. It's a lot of, it's a misconception that you have to have it all figured out before you do. Do I think that it's better when you heal? And then of course, because you're going to be more whole, you're going to be more of integrity, you're going to be more aligned. But that is not everyone's story. And for sure it wasn't for me. I lived the double life for a very long time until I could finally say, okay, now all these areas are really aligning and getting better and better. And I feel like every day it gets better and better, yeah. right? So that passion, right, turned into that business by being able to then say, this helped me so much. How can I give back this gift? Because I need to share this with people. I need to, right? It's like you figure something out and you're like, how can I keep this to myself, right? How can I keep this gift to myself? There's a there's a phrase that they say in AA, um, which is like, you lose what you don't give, mm -hmm. something along those lines. And for me, I had to give the gift that I was given, which was my own healing. And so I started to share it with other women that read, wow, I hear your story and it reminds me of mine. So many of my clients come to me because they feel that they can relate to me. They feel that they have a voice that can capture some part of their energy, their spirit, and that allows them to say, I'm not alone, right? And so that journey began and I started doing little circles for free and I started, you know, doing different healing circles and different workshops and a lot of it was just, you know, just to do it. And then little by little, I started growing and doing retreats and, and then more formally as a therapist and a spiritual coach or a guide. And so uh, really through that process of my own kind of being like a little spiritual archaeologist and navigating and finding out, okay, what are the things that I need to uncover? What are the things that I need to do to heal this part of me? And researching and finding out, okay, cool, this works. And knowing that I can share all these things, even in the book, but I tell people, just like you said, you're going to have your own way. Mm -hmm. And my most important goal in anything I do is to orient people back to their soul and to their own inner voice that will tell them what they need to do that might look different in certain areas of what I need to do yeah. and being confident and being able to repair their, their relationship with their intuition. Yeah. But the more tools they have be their, their path, whatever it may be, you know, be their traumas, whatever they may be, the more resources they have, be it therapy or your book or your, um, or your retreats or your events or anything, the more, capacitated there is that a word in english capacitated the more the more capacitated they're gonna be to be able to go through the wave of healing more prepared and more at peace because i think one of the things that goes 
you know, when shit hits the fan is that we've never been through it. We've never been through a therapist. We've never been through this dark night of the soul. So we don't even know how to go about it. So I think it's very important, the work that you're doing. So, so I want to talk a bit about... Okay, I want to talk about this um, this little um, analysis I did based off what you wrote in the book. So, right, we're all born. Mm-hmm. We live through trauma. We sink in a hole. We have glimpses of our sadness until we live in that sadness every day. Until we realize we must change because we don't want to live in sadness. And then we slowly look, Christina took her how many years? Me, it's taken me how many years to slowly rise and walk back home. And I think this walk never ends, right? Never Never. ends. (laughs) Because Christine, you can see her hole here, but I'm sure you have stuff to work on, issues to work on every fucking day. And so do I. And this is why we meditate and we continue the work. So what do I want to say? That the only way out is through. The only way out of the shitty feelings you have is through. And now I want to ask you again, Christine. What moment in your life did you realize that, okay, not only am I have to crawl myself out of this dark, dark place that I am, but I have to go back into it and feel it all again to heal it. Was there a moment... There were many moments, you know, there wasn't just one moment, there were many moments. And I think that for most people, if you really look at it, I mean, maybe some people not, and they just have one big moment and everything changes, but that definitely was not my story. It was more like a Groundhog's Day with like, I realized that I fuck up again. I realized that I fuck up again. Me too. So there was a lot of emotional relapse in my story. Yeah. Um, so I try to tell people, right? Like, don't judge your process. and know that there's a very different path for everyone. In my particular case, I had many different moments of realizing things, making changes, flipping up and making changes again. And so one big moment was when I was in college and I was in that really toxic relationship and I left the college. I got kicked out of the college because I got into my first fight ever with this, you know, woman that was he was cheating on me with and it was this whole drama and I I had never fought in my life so it was like this huge thing and that was when I got into therapy so I would say that was one of the biggest moments right like that was my third year of college and I took off time to just do my healing and then I went to Fordham which was where I inevitably finished my um or was it my second year I always get mixed up because that was such a traumatic time in my life um, but, but yeah, it was around that time and I ended up finishing up my undergrad at Fordham. So that was a big, I could say a big moment in the timeline of my life that gave me my first breakdown to breakthrough. And I had many moments like that. And they were tiny moments where it was like another person another relationship and another body, but the same shit. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. There was, you know, most recently I can say that, you know, three years and a half around um I had another big moment where I said you know I need to get sober I don't like my relationship with alcohol so that became another breakthrough moment where I had massive spiritual growth that happened as I decided to turn my will over and say you know what I'm powerless my life is unmanageable in this area I don't like how it's affecting me and I got sober and it really changed everything in my life 
So there were many moments like that for me. And I, and I do feel that for the majority of people, change happens over a series of time. And there are many little tiny itsy bitsy changes and some big moments that we can kind of look at the timeline of our life. And all that matters is that we keep staying willing to be willing to keep healing and growing and uh, getting closer to the souls, the humans that we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what I wanted you to say. <laughs> it isn't in and out. It's not linear. Healing is never linear. Um, you know, even for people, because I have uh, some good friends, you know, that they have been through that one aha moment and then they change. But even then, they go through their little, you know, ebbs and flows, their little waves where they have other stuff to heal. So I just wanted to make that point, you know, I wanted to stress it just so people don't think that it was like, you know, okay, you stood up to your father and then you were, okay, perfect from then. No, it's not no, like and that. On the contrary, and I really want to stress that, you know, just know that it's so much more complex than that, but also don't let that discourage you, right? Exactly. Just know that, that it's norm. It's a normal part of the process. And it's just something that a lot of mainstream white spiritual books have denied people of. Uh, a lot of the self-help and spiritual books are not very psychologically based. They're not very grounded. They're very I idealistic. They're very colonized um, kind of perspectives. Mm -hmm. And they're not realistic. They're not very human, right? Yeah. So what, what I tell people is that, you know, I love affirmations. I love positive work. All of that stuff works. And there's also depth and meat that needs to be added to the bones of the healing narrative yes. so that people have real understanding that actually it's really normal for people to have slip-ups and for things to take time. But that can be seen as something positive instead of something like, oh, no, right? Like, that's so discouraging. No, on the contrary, that's so encouraging to know yeah. that we're all in it together and that we get to be human, right? Like, I remind people that while we are diosa, while we are divine, we are human, Right. This is the multidimensional like aspect to our personalities. Yeah. And so that's really I'm glad that you asked that and that that's where it led us, because uh, there's a lot of damage that I think spiritual self-help books have done, not all, but a lot where it almost makes it feel like, you know, oh, my, you know, with limited knowledge and not the right boundaries around language it can be really hurtful especially for people that have gone through trauma which are most yes. of my clients yes. right where it's yes. like oh my god i attracted this like i don't like the law of attraction mm -hmm. for that reason it's not that i don't believe that energy brings things but i think it's a very uh shallow based concept the way they describe it and it doesn't allow for the narrative to be deeper right it's like yes. if someone has gone through trauma and they call back in right or they attract quote unquote uh, a partner that is um unhealthy it is very different to say because of the results of your trauma your nervous system has been impacted and there are neurons that are shooting towards a person that is familiar to your nervous system but not necessarily good for mm -hmm. you right because it mm -hmm. reminds your home that's very different than saying you attracted this you're in a low frequency you should always be in a state of happiness If you're not in a state of it's happiness, high vibe all the way, right? Like that's not realistic. That's not healthy. Many of us have anxiety or depression or different coping skills that we've had to do because of our childhood. So what I like to tell people is that you are absolutely allowed to feel all things. And I don't want people to be happy all the time. I want to give people tools to be able to be real and gentle, to hold space 
for all the varying levels of emotions that arise and just do better every day, one step at a time to get better at yes. coping and, yes. and, and dealing with those difficult emotions that come up. Um, I love this. So I hope that that comes across, you know, in everything I do. And that's something that, um, you know, I hope that readers will see that while I do include um, beautiful affirmations and powerful words, that there's always a level of depth in some part of that uh, chapter that describes, you know, yes, we are going to go from a victim mentality to a creatrix mentality. But if you were actually a victim of abuse, sometimes the first step is owning with pride. Uh-huh. Like, yes, I am a victim. Uh-huh. And that is okay to say. And yes. there's an empowering aspect to that. Yes. So there's many little kind of side meat that I add to some of these traditional concepts that have been yeah. put out there. I love that you say that because it is a source of empowerment, um, realizing that you are a victim, however paradoxical that sounds, because you finally accept um, your childhood trauma, where it comes from, you know, where I learned it um, and how it manifested throughout my life. So I love that you say that in the book you say, and I'm going to quote you, Christine, it says your trauma is a door, a door. And then the quote ends here, um, you know, a door to healing, to new beginnings and This is so paradoxical, yet reassuring, because if you're in the darkness, you know, in the shit, how I like to call it, because that's how you feel, it's only the path to light. It's only the path to a new door. So, and I think we've kind of answered this question. I just want to see if you have something else to add. How can we comfort someone and reassure someone who hasn't been able to see beyond the trauma? beyond the darkness because they are so deep in it i've been there you've been there you know and and there's been some points where you know my anxiety has been so high and i've been you know about to throw my phone out the window like leave the room screaming which i have done um you know and i i just asked myself perhaps it's me like trying to comfort that little paula you know like What advice can I give to that little Paula, that little Christine in that moment where she's about to lose her shit, given X, Y situation? You know, how- you know, sometimes sometimes it's part of the process, right, is to give ourselves the space to know that, you know, even that is not normalized, right? Like breaking down is not normalized, but it happens to, you know, if you're close enough to anyone for a longer period of time, you will get to hear all the things that they go through, mm-hmm. right? And usually that includes at some point, <laughs> some kind of mini breakdown, some kind of, you know, anxiety attack or whatever it is that they go through, if that's in their, you know, emotional constitution. So, you know, first and foremost, to normalize the fact that sometimes those things do happen, right? Like we're not perfect and it's okay. And the second thing being that uh, we can allow ourselves to go through this process of getting support, you know, for everyone, it's going to look different. You know, for some of us, that's getting therapy or going to one of these deep spiritual retreats, right? Whether it's with me or someone else, um, to be able to get guidance. Some people might need meds if there's some sort of, you know, imbalance that needs to be neutralized you know i'm not anti anything i'm whatever i believe that spirit works through anything and if you need it then go to a trained you know therapist psychologist to help you right and sometimes it can be a temporary thing some people can be a long-term thing but there's so many different ways to go about it that's first and foremost in terms of you know anxiety or those feelings that overwhelm us and then moving on from that being able to say you know how can i incorporate right from this space 
of, you know, this is what I've gone through. How can I comfort the little me right now, right? Well, well, first is acknowledging and having conversations with, right, which might sound funny to you at first if you're not in the habit of that. But literally getting out a journal or writing out or saying, speaking out loud in the privacy of your room and having a moment where you put your hand on your heart and you say, what does little Christine feel right now, mm-hmm. right? Right now, there's a situation that your big, rational adult self wants to put big, fancy words on. But what does little Christine feel right now? Little Christine feels sad. She feels left out. She feels hurt, right? Um, I'm crying. I'm mad, you know? Like, the more raw and, like, un- kind of, quote-unquote, poised your language can be the better because you're going to get the raw primal language of what your body is actually feeling. And then as your adult self, right, communicating with your inner child, kind of speaking to her and asking her questions, what does this remind you of, right? When did this hurt you? Did something happen, you know, that that is making you feel sad that reminds you of this now, right? And really comforting her, you know, comforting that inner child. So I think having dialogue, and speaking to and going back and forth with your inner child helps you to realize, you know, is this pain coming from, right? Is my reaction bigger than the thing that's actually happening? Is my reaction smaller than what it should be, Mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm frozen or I'm stuck, right? But having dialogue will allow you to, right? Let's say you're having an argument with your partner or your partner does something um, and you're like, something inside of you gets more fiery than you think is normal, but you don't know what it is or you're getting anxious about something like, what? what's going on? That might be a good moment to practice yeah. and to, to just check in and see what, what does this remind you of? And maybe there's a way then that you can come back into that moment and say, hey, you know, I think... I got a little bit extra worked up about this because when I was a kid, you know, this is what would happen to me, but, but I know that this is not what's happening now. So let me come to you with my adult grounded energy. Yes. Right. And so yes. developing dialogue and journaling is a great way to start cultivating that relationship with your inner child. I think this is such a powerful exercise, what you've just said, and it's taken me years to get there, but it is so healing when you finally create that conversation with your inner child and it really you can really see it in your relationships how it brings ironically right talking to your inner child brings a level of consciousness to the relationship and to yourself so mi gente this is a great exercise you should all do highly highly recommend christine with all that's happening in the world you know covid 19 um the riots and protests of the death of George Floyd and all the other innocent black men and women that have been killed in hands of the police. And God knows what will happen, right? At the end of this year, given that this is just a huge awakening for all of us. How can your book help us cope or help us awaken with what's happening in the world? Yeah, you know, Um, for me, it's a very complex answer and it's something that, uh, is, I'm going to answer in two parts. One, I believe that, you know, with COVID and the, um, all the effects of what that's done, right? There's so many different camps of people in that people that have gotten sick, people that have lost loved ones, people that have lost businesses, 
most of us being at home for a longer period of time, there's a lot of emotional, psychological, financial, and health pieces that have impacted other people. Other people have been just fine, right? There's a, a, a range of people in that. But at the very least, we have all been impacted by global pandemic at some level. And uh, collectively, right, we are all going through massive changes. And there's more fear. There's less human interaction in a lot of ways. You're not able to have a quote-unquote normal life where you can just leave and do your things. Things have changed, right? And I think that um, on a mental health perspective and an emotional, spiritual perspective, that's what I can speak to with that, which is that we go through different kinds of pains, upsets, and transitions in life. And there's a lot of grief and mourning and also what is on the other side of this, right? Like, what can I gain from this experience? Not to minimize it, but to say, well, if I've been going through this shitty thing, what am I going to do, right? Like, I got to find a way to cope the best way I know how. And some days they're going to be really annoying and you're like, what's the world I'm living in? And other days you're going to, you know, hopefully be able to do something to to give you some sort of peace amidst this mess, right, with COVID. Um, so for me, the book allows people the space, right, to say this is a time where no matter what, we need to be doing our inner spiritual work because a lot of those old wounds are coming up, especially for people, you know, even people that struggle with addiction or people that are feeling lonely, a lot of those feelings are getting stirred up, especially if you're alone or you've been isolated because in some way we've been more isolated uh, than we have been before. And isolation is one of the number one things that go against healing, right? Mm -hmm. So the opposite of isolation is like community and connection. And that's a protective factor. When you talk about what are people's protective factors that are going to keep them stronger, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, Community, community, and connection, and the opposite of that is isolation. Yeah, and so we know that people are being impacted. So having the space to say, well, if I'm in this, let me take this opportunity, right, to go into those spaces within myself, so that I can heal the root cause. Because this is a time where a lot of shadows are coming up, a lot of things that maybe you were able to turn a blind eye to because you were distracted and doing things and going out and putting on cute clothes and meeting up with people or you know, getting, working, right? Even if you're just working, yeah. you have distraction. Yeah. And so it's not a necessarily fun time. We're not in a fun season of life. The world is in a massive unraveling uh, uh, in your face. This is what's always been going down, but you didn't want to listen, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Um, nature, yeah, she's not happy. Happy, Mama, Mama Tierra is like help, right? Black people, brown people have been hurt and attacked and abused and lynched for centuries, but just in different ways, right? And so now with social media, yeah, we're seeing it. We're not black, right? We're not even brown. We are Latina, white, skinned, passing Latina women. So yes, we're women of color, but we are white passing, right? So we don't know from an embodied level even 1% of what that experience would be like, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, one thing that I want to be very clear is that I this book is not going to is not going to be the go-to book that you want to go to when you're unpacking your racism. No, not at all. This is a book about self-esteem and coming back home to your soul. And so, what I've been recommending everyone to do is learn from black women and men when you're talking about specifically black lives and unpacking what's going on in the world, 
world, right? How can I go to the people that have been studying this, living this experience yeah. for years and learn from them? But what I know for sure is, is that right now, everyone is being impacted again. Hopefully, if you are um, part of my crew, right? Part of my Diosa community, then you're part of the people that are absolutely saying, how can I unpack my internal bias, prejudice, racism? How can I be part of the solution? Um, how can I help uh, black lives and black body people so that they can be able to feel safe, be able to be protected? Mm -hmm. Because when I fight for, you know, a black woman, man's uh, uh, freedom and justice, inevitably we're fighting for freedom of all. Because yeah. we cannot be free until we are all free. We cannot be one until we're all really one, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is a perfect time to practice your spiritual tools of, this isn't only about you, yes. right? So now people are going to have to juggle more. I think if there's anything I can say is do your inner work so that you can show up and do the outer work in the world. Do your inner work so that you can be a better voice and a better stand for those that need it, yeah. which is what my spiritual work has always been about for me, was like, how can I do my inner work and simultaneously show up for the world? And yet again, a lot of mainstream spirituality has been very meaning, not very weak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... Yes, do your work, but show up for the world. Because if you're really going to call yourself a spiritual healer or a, a, a change maker, then uh, you better get with the program yeah. and show up to do the hard things, right? And and so for me, I I am grateful that you know my book will be coming out at a time where I hope that it gives people the awareness to say I'm going to show up so that I can be strong, so I can heal the shit that's blocking me, so that I can get involved with the things that really matter, to the causes that really matter that are coming to the surface, for the earth, for black brothers and sisters, for for any injustice going on in the world. And I think that, you know, like a spiritual download for me is that these times are going to require us to really become more um, vocal yeah. about what really matters and to be more involved in our community yes. as a whole. And so in order to do that, we got to deal with our inner shit too. Yeah. The time of silence has ended. It's time oh, yeah. to stand up. I love that you said that. But I really want to end the note. So we're ta we talked about the past, right? Our inner child, how you came about this book. We spoke about the present, how this book can be a resource for you to do your inner healing and then show up as a whole for the world really knowing what you want from it which i think is a very important part of returning to your soul i want to ask you right we, we spoke a lot about childhood trauma and just like things that happened when we didn't have the resources the intelligence the capacity to understand what was happening to us you know and this brought about a bunch of consequences that we are now dealing with So I want to ask you, Christine, Christine, how would you visualize a future or, or what's your vision for the future where we are given the resources to heal as a child? Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, for me, it's something that I have deep, another kind of project that at some point I want to do, uh, And it's empowering children emotionally, um, educationally, with a variety of things that I believe is missing school systems, and that largely has to do with, um, you know, there's 
different aspects of that, but one is lack of uh, lack of mental and emotional support, right? Lack of proper training of what really matters. And so I believe that it should be part of the school system to teach children how to manage their emotions yes. with mindfulness, with breathing, with movement, with uh, therapeutically grounded tools, mm-hmm. with art, right? And um, also with culture. I think that we need to have, you know, different uh, books that show different color skins, black, brown, yellow, that tell different stories yes. from people that have lived it. And so um, there's a lot of different people. One uh, woman that uh, I love, Beck's Life, she has a children's book. Uh, it's Zara's a Messy, something along the lines of Zara. I don't want to mess with the title, but her name is Beck's Life on Instagram. And she has an amazing children's book. Check it out. And she's a mixed girl, half black, half white. And she's a mixed woman. And so she's telling the story so that other mixed race kids would be able to identify. And so I, I would love to see more of that in schools. True history, yes. right? Not the history that was painted by, you know, some white person that was like, yeah, you know, Christopher Columbus was great when he was a rapist and killer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that impacts the psyche. And I think I know that that impacts the psyche uh, of, of children. And so uh, those would definitely be the main things that I would want to instill is having education for children to be emotionally empowered and having cultural empowerment that that adequately uh, describes from a non-racist historical perspective what history actually looked like because it's very deeply connected to our psyches. And this it. is what we're, we're seeing the manifestation of years of these kind of colonized ways of being. And so I think that if we did do that, we would have uh, a generation of children that were actually more conscious because they have the tools, right, mm-hmm. from a young age. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to go through their own process, but at least my hope would be is that they get the 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 ability to choose what they want to do faster. So yes. at least they know, okay, here, I have my toolkit, and I know what real history is like, and I have the ability to choose just a little bit uh, sooner yeah. than, you know, than, than all of the years that it usually takes up. It's what we spoke about earlier. It's just giving them the resources to be able to manage whatever emotions come about whenever they come about, whatever trauma comes about. So I love that you mentioned that. And we just ended this on, on this note because I always think talking about the future gives us hope. And, and yeah, I think gives us hope. I want to close with this quote that I absolutely loved about the book. It says, real self-love is looking inward at the things that no longer work. So with that, I want to close. Christine, I want to thank you for your time. This one hour that we've been speaking, your book launched yesterday. You must be so busy. So thank you for dedicating us the time for giving people the resources and the knowledge they need to go back to soul and for all these wonderful quotes <laughs> that are in this book that I love and I really hope that people love and I know that people will love as well así que in the descriptions we're going to put Christine's website Christine's Instagram where you can pre-order the book vamos a apoyarla mi gente this is a woman who has been working on this for 10 years o sea esto no es de la noche a la mañana esto es una mujer que vive respira lo que hace, una mujer que, que conozco personalmente y que realmente 
es una fuente de fuerza y de energía para todo el que la conoce. Así que vamos a apoyarla, mi gente. Christine, do you have anything else you want to mention before we finish? First of all, I want to say thank you to everyone and to you for creating the space for elevating voices because you're doing such beautiful work in the world and thank so you. grateful um, <laughs> um and to anyone that's out there that's you know going through it just know that you are loved that you are worthy that you are divine and that through small steps big changes can happen just you being willing is enough and as a thank you to anyone that pre-orders the book um you can go to my website i am is for the book page and you're going to get these beautiful gifts that I made one of them is a self-love meditation another one is a 50 page <laughs> digital beautiful uh journal or guide that brings you through some steps to look at different areas of your life so you get like a whole a full look at different areas spirituality personal development um relationships health etc and you get to walk yourself through what it would look like on the other side of that block And then last but not least, you get this beautiful ritual, uh, activate your interview side guide for free. You get an email to your inbox um, as a thank you for pre-ordering the book. And all of that is on imbiosabook.com. Beautiful. Thank you, yeah. Christine, for your time, for these wonderful gifts that you're giving for those who pre-order your book, who believe in you and your dream. So, gracias, gracias. Have a great day a todos. And if you want to learn more about Christine, you can go check it out in the description below. Chao, chao, mi gente. Buen día.